Alright, well it's it's good to be with you guys. I never thought okay. this might not be good enough. I might just sit by you. Okay. Well, hopefully you'll be able to hear me eventually anyway, before the end. <laughs> there. Let me turn to our verse here. Can I help you? Is it in the, the order? Yep, in the order. <laughs> After I kind of mix things up. Wait. Um, well, it's it, like I said, it's good to be with you. Um, uh, I always enjoy uh, speaking, and um, I really enjoy this verse. This verse has a lot to do with my personal testimony, so I think I'm going to start there. And what I mean by that is when I was younger, um, just a little tight, in preschool, um, that's when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Um, but for the first nine years after that happened, I was pretty miserable because I thought, well, if God really wanted me to serve him, he wouldn't have put me in this wheelchair because I just have this crippled body and there's nothing I can do to serve God. This was a mistake that I made. And I really think that part of the reason I made this mistake is because I looked at what other people could do. And I said, what they can do is more valuable than what I can do. And so I'm not valuable. Fast forward to 1992. It was July, a couple months after my 13th birthday. And my youngest brother at the time was three months old. My mom fed him in the morning as usual put him down for a nap and he never woke up. July 16th, 1992 was the worst day of my entire life. I still remember almost every minute of that day because it made such a profound impact on my life. When my brother passed away, he had been like my mom's healthiest baby to date. She, he had, he had, all of his doctor's appointments had been good. There was no known problems. And interestingly enough, he was the only baby, brother or sister that I had that would let me hold him at that age. So there were little indications that he was mature beyond, beyond his three months and that God was um, squeezing in extra life into those three months. And I could go into more detail on that, but for sake of time, I won't. But the point being, that was my rock bottom point. And I remember in the days that followed, just weeping in my mom's arms and saying, Mom, why did he take John, who was perfectly healthy, and leave me here when I'm completely useless? And that was the worst year of my life. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want anything to do with this God that I had trusted many years ago. I was like, God, I've been fighting you for so long. And now you've given me any, even more reason not to trust your plan. What are you doing? And when I was 14 years old, I went to a conference. And 
And in that conference, they talked about 10 things that you can't change about yourself, but you wish you could. And one of those things is the way that God made you physically. And uh, it was at that point that God said, I don't need to change you physically. I just need to change your heart. And for you to get out of my way and let me use you the way I want to use you. And as we look at our verse, we see this. In Christ, though many, we form one body. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. And this was something that I didn't understand. See, I looked at everybody else and said, look what they're doing. I can't do that, so therefore I'm not useful. But what I needed to realize is that God had a very particular plan for my life. And his plan did not involve a lot of the things that other people do. I have several brothers who are serving in our armed forces today because they love our country and they want to keep us safe. And I'm proud of every one of them. But as I often um, say to others when I'm giving my testimony, uh, it was fairly early on in my life that I had to cross Navy SEAL off my list. It's not something I'll ever be able to do. But the thing that I am able to do is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God didn't call me to do a bunch of other stuff, but he did call me to preach the gospel. And so as I embraced that gift, I watched and saw God doing some miraculous things. And now I'm able to do a, a weekly podcast ministry through my website, through the generosity of a local radio station. And I'm able to travel the state and sometimes out of the country. Um, or not out of the country, but out of the state to preach the gospel. And these are things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had been stuck as that old bitter guy who didn't think he could do anything. I just want to go through this list real quick. If your gift is prophecy, prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then giving generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And uh, Mrs. Stoner said that we all have at least one of these gifts. And I would agree, except I would add a caveat to that. And that is that gifts are given to believers upon their receiving of salvation. So if you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's no way to develop your gift. Because the gifts come from the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you, first of all, to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. If you have not already done so, you can do it silently here in the gym. And just say, Lord, I know I've messed up my life. I know I can't do it by myself. I need you to clean me up and to use me. And he will. And then go tell your small group about it. And then tell other people about it. Because God tells us. We, we talked about that before. That we need to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And then believe in our heart. And then share it with others. And then just to finish up this verse. If it isn't giving then give generously. If it is to lead do it diligently. If it is to show mercy do it cheerfully. So the question comes how do I... 
figure out what my gift is? The, the easy one-word answer is serve. When you start to serve, when you start to work with God's people, you will discover your gift. The reason that I'm in a speaking ministry right now, today, is because I had three very specific friends, one of them being my dad, who told me that you have a gift for speaking the truth and you need to use it. And it's because of those three friends that were constantly pouring this affirmation into me and the affirmation I've received as I began to speak the truth that I know that speaking the truth, prophesying for God, and even perhaps more specifically, exhorting others onto good works is a definite gift that I have. And that is why I come to discipleship because I want to train up the next generation of godly men. So important. And I don't want to go too far off on this rabbit trail, but if I could just encourage you all to be the men and women that God called you to be. There's so much pressure today that men and women can do the same things and do it just as well. And there's some truth to that. But you know what? The exciting thing is that when God made creation, He made men and women. Different but equal. Women can do things that men can never do. I'll never be a mother. I'll never know what it, what it is to have a baby. I'll never have that kind of a nurturing instinct. But the women here will. On the other side of the coin, I'll never have those instincts, but my instinct is to protect women. To make sure that they are cared for and treated with respect. And I want to encourage you as young men that you don't have to start out that process when you turn 18. It starts now. In the Jewish culture, when you are 12 or 13, you are set aside as a man or a woman. And while I don't expect everybody to do everything manly or womanly at that age, one of the best things my dad did for me was sit me down at the age of 13 and tell me, Andrew, today you become a man, and I want you to start acting like it. That doesn't mean that I all of a sudden was totally mature and didn't have a lot to learn. As I said, this rough year that I went through happened after my 13th birthday. But it did mean that I could trust God to work in me. And that I didn't have to use the excuse of being a teenager for bad behavior. Bad behavior is a sin, whether it comes from a 13-year-old or a 30-year-old. And one of the problems that we have here today is that we have a bunch of 30, 35-year-olds running around who never learned to grow up. So please learn to grow up now. And rely on your leaders and your parents and other people in your life to pour into you and to prepare you. Because this world is getting to be a scary place to live in. But God put us together as a body of Christ so that we could be a support to one another. And encourage one another so that when we go out in the world, we're prepared. And, how, and so the best way to do that is to identify your gift. And as you, as you serve you will learn what your gift is because you'll learn what people respond to the most in you. 
as I finish, I just want to say that just because you have one predominant gift, it doesn't mean that you have to ignore the other gifts. Look at this list and tell me if there's any one of them that we shouldn't all possess. We should all be sharing the truth. We should all be serving. We should all be teaching those who know less than us in a particular area. We should all be encouraging. We should all be giving. We should all lead when it is necessary. And we should all show mercy to others because God gave mercy to us. So this is not just a one thing, although I do think that God gives us a strength in one area. According to this list, I think my greatest strength is encouragement. And as I said, you will learn more as you go along what yours is. But I just want to encourage you to memorize these verses. And to even, you know, sometimes these verses have parts of different verses. And if you go and dig into Romans chapter 12, you'll get an even bigger picture or a bigger thought of what the context of these verses is. Maybe you're like me when I was 13. Maybe you're struggling to find your place in Potter's house, in your family, or in any other sphere that you're in. May I just remind you that the psalm says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That God planned out all of your days before there was any of them. He knew that you would be here today, the day you were born. He knows all about you and he has a plan for you. And it's perfect. That's another psalm for you. As for God, his ways are perfect. Now, as a teenager, I didn't understand that. I thought that being in a crippled body was a curse. And some well-meaning Christians say, well, if you had enough faith, you could get up and walk. My friends, I believe that God could heal me, but he has chosen to give me this wheelchair as a testimony to him. See, when I go through these halls in my wheelchair or go wherever else I go in my wheelchair, then hopefully it lets people take a look and say, he's in a wheelchair and he's doing all this stuff. What's my excuse? And so my question to you is, what's your excuse? If you're not serving him, what's your excuse? Let me tell you something. If you bring that excuse to God, he will give you an answer that will take care of that excuse. Often we think that we have to be qualified to serve God. But here's what the difference is. He doesn't call the qualified. Because those who think they're qualified, they don't have room for God to work. But what he does is he calls somebody. And then he gives them the power to do it. Alright, I'm going to close with a song. And I hope that you will listen to the words. And that it will encourage you today as you go to your small groups. One day a plain village woman Driven by love for her Lord Recklessly poured out a valuable essence Disregarding
sang the scorn and when it was broken and spilled out a fragrance filled all the room like a prisoner released from his shackles like a spirit set free from the tomb broken and spilled out just for love of you Jesus my most precious treasure lavished on thee